Hey there, lovebirds. Welcome to episode 64 of Your I Do Crew, a wedding planning podcast. Each week, co-hosts Atan and Lindsay bring over 30 years of industry experience to the table with insight and interviews from local and national wedding pros to give you the best tips, tricks, and hacks that will take the stress out of your wedding planning process and help elevate your special day. So grab something old and something new. It's time to listen to Your Your I I Do Do Crew. holidays and welcome to the last episode of 2018. Today we're excited to bring you an interview with nationally renowned wedding planner Jove Meyer of Jove Meyer Events based out of New York City. Jove gave an amazing presentation at the Knott's Detroit workshop that Lindsay and I were lucky enough to see and he was so gracious to agree to interview with us. We love talking to Jove and we're sure you'll love listening to it. Hello. Hey! Hi. We're so glad you were able to fit us into your schedule. And I'm so sorry about Monday. Um, I got a last-minute booking on Rachel Ray, so that's <gasps> the other reason I canceled. I'm not a canceller. What? That's amazing. That's a good reason. It's that's crazy. an amazing reason. I know. Oh Amber gosh. didn't say that's it. That's so exciting. She's not, she's not that way, but I um, wanted you to know there was nothing. It wasn't just like, oh, I forgot, or it wasn't important. <laughs> I was like, sorry, I have to go to Rachel Ray. <laughs> like, I have to do it. I mean, that's... Pretty legit, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Look, you know, humble brag a little bit, but oh my, oh my gosh, gosh. that's amazing. That I didn't, you know, stand you up for, you know, a massage or something. <laughs> <laughs> nope, totally cool, totally cool. We loved your session at the Knot Workshop in Detroit. It was, it was. I told you, you made me cry three times, right? Oh, thank you. It was just so good. It was really, really good. And I, we wanted to touch on some of the LGBT planning things that, that you talked about because it was really powerful. But we also just want to learn more about you and, and we want our listeners to get to know you. Sure. We want to crack the, the shell that is Joe Meyer. <laughs> There's not really a shell, to be honest. I live very openly, very outwardly, and I'm happy to answer and talk about anything. Well, I guess one of the, fr- the things that we wanted to ask first off is, is how did you get well, I guess maybe you can give us a little, a, a tiny little bio. Who, who is Jove Meyer? <laughs> uh, Jove Meyer is originally from Southern California. I was born and raised in a small beach town in Orange County. And uh, when I turned 14, I got my first job at a balloon and flower store, which was really fun. <gasps> and that's sort of where I got the taste of doing this. I actually got my driver's license in the company van, which was literally <laughs> the least cool thing. In high school, it was like a minivan wrapped in balloons. And it literally was like, we had to do it when none of my friends were around. You know, it's not cool to be driving your boss's minivan. (laughs) Sure. So that was my first job. And then the company that I worked for, I worked for her for four years. And she ended up going from retail to also doing wholesale. And I kind of ran her business for $7 an hour because I was 14 and I didn't really... (laughs) know any better and we focused on those like balloon arches that you would see at any race or fundraiser mm-hmm. and we worked for disney dave and busters um well we did a huge installation at walmart so it was really from a young age i was involved in doing design and production um on a larger scale and then we took on flowers which was interesting i had never <laughs> worked with those before in that capacity and after working there for four years, they, uh, she offered to sell me the business. But I did wow. not want to stay in my small town. I wanted to get out and explore the world. And I think a lot of people don't know I was a missionary for three years. Wow. Um, I was raised super religious, very conservative. 
So I did missionary work for three years in lieu of buying the business and in lieu of a full ride to college. Um, yeah, so that was sort of the beginning of Jove. And then missionary work took me to the Bay Area, which is where I landed after three years. And mm. I started school there. And I ultimately transferred from there to New York City. And I moved to New York um, to go to college, but also to come out and explore my own identity away from religion. Um, yeah. And that was 10 years ago. And that first summer, I did my best friend's wedding. Yeah, so that's kind of the short end of a very long wow. story. Oh my gosh, you have to write a book. <laughs> yeah. So your best friend's wedding was the first one that you coordinated? Yeah, so growing up super conservative, all of my friends got married very young. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a blessing in disguise because I had a lot of practice for people whose expectations were low and budgets <laughs> were low. So we had to get really creative, yeah. right? When you're 18, 19, 20, 21, like you don't really know. I didn't even really know anything about weddings or the scope of what they could be. Mm -hmm. There was no Pinterest. There was mm -hmm. no Instagram. So we got really creative and had fun. And my best friend's wedding was 10 years ago um, in August in Connecticut. She moved to New York for love. I moved here for college and to come out. And I helped plan her wedding uh, on a very, very, very tight budget. I mean, like, we took sand from the beach and we put it in glass vases. <laughs> I can't believe I'm sharing this. And I put, like, my finger and I made designs. And I was like, this is so cool. And... Um, <laughs> We thought it was really cool and I had a bowl cut and it was a whole, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. Is, is there photographic evidence of the bowl cut? I'd rather not share it, but there definitely is. And it surfaced, it surfaced on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. And I was oh like, what God. is that doing? <laughs> Take it down. Yeah. And I was in like this awful, like the outfit just you know what i was new to new york i was new to life mm -hmm. i didn't really know anything when it came to sort of style or i didn't have a sense of personal taste i was a missionary i lived in a van like i had no yeah. notion of like what was cute or not cute yeah. mm -hmm. at that time you know it was such a a fun experience but also in the moment you think it's so cool you're mm -hmm. like oh my god we're making sand art this is so cool <laughs> <laughs> never again but you know you got to start somewhere yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's so amazing that you jumped straight into the heart of, of culture and all, all of that. I mean, it's just astounding to go from being a missionary to, to New York city. I mean, the, the amount of conviction that that takes. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. I left California. I had an amazing job. I was um, offered a job at an arena as the private server in a black box. So I was making wow. great money. I had a car and I had an apartment um, on campus. It was gonna go to UC Berkeley. I declined to move to New York. I had it all set up. Like it was really a perfect life, except right. I wasn't able to be myself. Um, I was teaching at Sunday school and I was living a lie and I was, you know, telling people like, oh, they're all, everyone's like, why aren't you married? You're such a catch. You did missionary work. You teach Sunday school. And I wasn't really being honest with myself fully mm -hmm. um, out of fear. And so I literally sold my car, quit my job, packed one suitcase, and moved to New York City with nothing 10 years ago. And that was sort of the beginning wow. of this journey. Wow. Well, uh, apparently it's turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> not too bad not too bad a lot of hard work later and and we're doing all right yeah so you so you're a, an overnight success 10 years in the making 
<laughs> exactly. It's funny. People are like, oh my God, all this stuff is happening for you. That's so amazing. How, you know, yeah. you just came out. And I was like, no, I've been working hard for 10 years. It's not like I just started my company yesterday and cool things are happening. Like I have mm. been busting my ass for lack of better words, for, you know, 10 years. Not yeah, no, that's, those are good words. Those are totally applicable words. <laughs> you know, especially any any entrepreneur in the wedding industry get, will understand that 110% that uh, you created something from nothing. I'm, I'm super excited for you to be on Rachel Ray. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Me too. It's so exciting. It's, um, it's kind of unbelievable. They, um, long story short, this bride this past potential client reached out a couple of years ago we were not available for her wedding she followed us on instagram mm. and she sort of just became a fan and and friend mm. and two years later she got a job at rachel ray as a producer and she reached out to me and she said i've been following your work i love it can i come film you behind the scenes and do some some work together and I was like, uh, yes, absolutely. You can absolutely do that. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. And it would happen to be on my birthday. And it was, I had a planner's dining club that night um, at the Foundry. And it was a really beautiful spring equinox, like colorful evening that I had so much fun designing and collaborating with, with you know, so many vendors. And I literally was like, I have this going on tomorrow if you want to film that. And she was like, great, I'll have a crew there tomorrow, no problem. Wow. So it was kind of crazy. You know, we were setting up that full event and um, all of a sudden a crew arrives and in the midst of setup and all these vendors and three rooms and this whole production, they were like, great, we just need an hour of your time to manage this. And it was really fun. So we um, we went through and we filmed a whole bunch of questions and she wanted tips for viewers at home and how to sort of throw a party on a budget or what if you're not good at flowers or what if mm. you're bad at handwriting, you know? <laughs> and so I sort of shared a, a lot of little tips on how to throw a dinner party at home on a budget for everyone um, that anyone can do. And from there, they put a package together and they presented it to Rachel and her team. And I got a call on Friday when I was in California for a client and they said, Hey, would you want to come in on Monday and film live what? with Rachel and we can show your package? Oh my God. And I was like, um, absolutely. Yes. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So unfortunately that meant I couldn't do this recording on Monday. So again, I apologize, but, um, that was why. And it was such a whirlwind, mm -hmm. literally like a car picked me up at home, brought me to the studio. I walked in, I sat in hair and makeup. And they were like, okay, so you're supposed to go second, but we're going to make you go first. Um, and so uh, here's the stage and you're on in five, four, three, two, oh and gosh. it was literally like, yeah, it was kind of so fast. And I think that they wanted me to have a little more time. Yeah. Um, but this other guest, I guess, wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of hilarious because I show up to the lobby and there's 11 people in a, in a row, like in a wall. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is quite a greeting. Like, I'm not really, <laughs> I don't really know why you're here. This is like overwhelming. Like, it's just mm -hmm. me. And they're like, JM is in the building. JM is in the building. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so legit. Like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I go by initials now. Like, this is so cool. And then I don't know who to talk to. And one sweet girl is like, hi, I'm so-and-so right this way. And the 10 people stay. Mm -hmm. 
and they're like, JM is in the building. And I was like, wait, but I'm leaving the building. What's going on? <laughs> so anyways, it turns out, and I'm hearing JM all over set. And I'm like, you could just call me Joe. Like, it's fine. We can be casual. Like, I'm Joe. It's no big deal. And um, they rush me on set. They, like, film right away. There's a live audience. There's, like, a crew of 30 behind the cameras. Rachel pops right on, and she's, like, right at it mm-hmm. right away. And it was really so fun. And then I finish... And they're like, JM is coming to the set. And I was like, I'm already on the set. Like, what's going on? What are you talking about? But it turns out the same episode also has Julianne Moore. So she's JM. And she has security. And she has people. And she has, you know, she's legit. So it was kind of hilarious. Because we both are JM. But she's like big JM. And I'm little 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 JM. JM. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's that's incredible though. Maybe it was a JM themed day. No, that's uh... maybe it was actually a podcast themed day. So they sort of talked all about the podcast that I had started and that I have, and that was sort of the intro into our tips that we did on that's air. That's so cool. That's so cool. So speaking of your podcast, so tell us a little bit about that. So I started the podcast. 2016, um, 2016, and it basically came out of a place. Two places. I had filmed quite a few TV pilots and I was a little bit sick and tired of the way networks wanted me to be someone I wasn't. Um, They wanted me to be bitchier or gayer or meaner or I don't know. It didn't feel like it was authentic to me. So none of those, you know, pilots took root. Um, And every time I had a consultation with a couple, it was the same 20 questions over and over again. And the biggest one was there's no information on the internet that feels real or legitimate um, about pricing and sort of honesty in the wedding planning space. And so an idea was born and I said, well, you know what? Why don't I create a place where I can interview experts in their field and then also share tips every episode? And that's sort of how it happened. And yeah, so the podcast evolved and I just interviewed people that I thought were very interesting, that I had relationships with, that I found like they're self-starters or they built their own business from nothing. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know sort of from an entrepreneurial side who they were, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to know from a creative side, like what drives them, what inspires them. And then each episode I give a tip, like, you know, when is it too late to send thank you cards or Mm -hmm. how do you do a seating chart or should you have an open bar or a cash bar? And you should never have a cash bar, but you know, (laughs) I, yeah. It's sort of all these tips each episode and um, a little gossip about the Real Housewives because I don't know why I was really obsessed with them for like a year. So <laughs> that's kind of mixed in there, maybe inappropriately, but. No, that's not completely appropriate. Wow. That's awesome. So I didn't know that you had done some acting as well. You've done those pilots. That's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's not something many people know because they didn't really go anywhere, um, but they were all wedding related. So it was sort of all people trying to get in the wedding space in reality. And I think, you know, while I think it's a great idea and if the right fit comes along, I'm very open, but a lot of them were the wrong fit. You know, a lot of wedding shows on TV are very like, negative or like bridezilla and they show just crazy people and i don't want to be affiliated i don't need any crazy in my life so if it's positive uplifting and happy i'm down and inclusive but if it's about crazy people yelling at each other i'm not i'm not that's that's fair i think and you know that there's the whole thing with tv where if it bleeds it leads and they sell negativity so that's the challenge yeah but i love what you said about inclusivity because that was what drew us to you and we were at the not workshop 
your your panel on how to be more welcoming to LGBT couples. And I know that that's not your whole um, planning business. You don't do exclusively LGBT events, but um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit uh, about that because we, sure. I personally, I love working with LGBT couples. Um, this June, this past June, we published an episode where we interviewed three of our LGBT couples mm -hmm. and said, here's a celebration of Pride Month. And we said, hey, let, tell us about your specific experience in the wedding planning space. And to be totally fair, to be totally honest, we we live in Ohio in the Midwest and I expected it, them to have bad experiences, mm -hmm. but they all had really great experiences. That's amazing. I know, go Ohio, apparently. <laughs> so <laughs> we were we were kind of surprised how it turned out, but it ended up being a really positive and uplifting uh, experience for us to to talk to them and chat with them and, and interview them. And I wanted to, to kind of get, you know, your input on, you know, why why it's important. While we're looking at your Instagram post, the the article you wrote for the New York Times, and I love the I love the title. A gay wedding is a wedding. Just a wedding. Mm -hmm. To clarify, Stephanie Kane wrote the article. I was just um, a contributor, so I can't take credit for writing it. Um, she's the fabulous writer, but we collaborated and I contributed to that. And I, I'm obsessed with it, and I'm so honored and flattered that it came out. It was something that she and I had been talking about and she had been working on, and initially we thought it was going to come out during June for Pride, and I was so happy when it didn't. Um, because I'm glad that it was sort of something that was talked about beyond the, you know, one month that we get in the calendar of yeah. the year. Um, and it was really beautiful. And it's actually more powerful than the article is the response that I've sort of gotten on the back end organically, mm -hmm. which has sort of been incredible. This couple was doing a hair and makeup trial with a friend of mine, her, her beauty company, and the two women were like, oh my gosh, they were just, you know, when you go to a beauty place, you gossip. That's like what you do. And <laughs> sure. they were like, oh my gosh, we read this article in the New York Times and this guy, Joe Meyer. And literally my friend was like, oh my God, that's my friend. And it was such a small world. And she emailed me and she's like, you made these two hearts so happy. Aww. And to me, it's like, even that one email is worth mm -hmm. all of it, you know, because growing up in the closet and being afraid of who I was and, and what I was is not something that I can ever take back or change. But if I can move forward and make anyone's life easier, who's queer and, and going through any kind of strife because of who they are, um, then I'm happy to do that. That's, that's awesome. That's, there's so much love in your heart and that's incredible. That's how, what the world needs more of right now. Thank you. It's, it's cheesy, but what the world needs now is love. And I do agree <laughs> with that. And I won't sing because you'll definitely burn your ears. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot of people want to promote a lot of things. And I just, for me, it feels like in this industry, it is so female forward. It is so bride centric. And I'm a gay man. And if one day I want to get married... I don't feel like anyone wants to work with me. You know what I mean? Like it, or they don't show it. There's no representation. And I, and I think for the majority of wedding vendors, it's not intentional. I don't think people are angry and trying to exclude queer people. I just think it's been so bride centric for so long that it's ingrained in us, right? When you do the same thing every day for 10 years, it's hard to change. And so that's why I speak around the world about inclusivity is just to sort of let people know, Hey, this is us. This is what we went through to get here. If you can make some small changes to 
welcome even more people, mm-hmm. it would be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're not hard changes to make. They're really not. Oh, they're so simple. They're so simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I laugh because when we first started the podcast, Lindsay and I, um, she had been, she's been in the industry for a bit longer than I have. And uh, we had a few other co-hosts in the beginning and everyone kept saying brides, brides, brides. Mm-hmm. And th- I kept beating this drum, couples, 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 cut it out. Yes. And, uh, and it was, it was just very amusing. And, and the more I've, I've started going to some uh, wedding shows and here in the Midwest, they're all called bridal shows. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, explicitly all the time, bridal this, bridal that. And then talking to venues, oh, my brides, our brides. Like, yeah. There's not always a bride. And I get it all the time when I'm emailed and they're like, we want to work with your brides. I, so I autocorrect everyone. Mm-hmm. Like I use every email as a, as a chance to educate mm-hmm. from a, a sincere place, not a place of judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, I think most people just don't know. They're not intentionally trying to hurt me or queer people. Right. And I'm fully aware of that. Yeah. But in yeah. the long game, you know, I've hit, I, I've spent ha- more than half of my life hiding who I was to please other people mm-hmm. as if I had a disease or as if I was mm-hmm. crazy or as if there was something wrong with me. So now if I can live the other half of my life helping other people welcome everybody in a positive way, to me, it's so fulfilling and it's so mm-hmm. worth it. And bridal shows make me crazy. I don't like that term at all. <laughs> and yeah. Um, I am actually producing for the first time ever my own wedding huh. fair um, here in New York City in Yay. Brooklyn in January. And it is going to be very inclusive. There will not be the word bride anywhere. I love it. And we are going to have, you know, 50 vendors who all agree that they love everyone and they're inclusive and they want to work with all couples. And the branding will be neutral and fun and exciting. And it's That's a way awesome. for me to also show the world look, you can have a successful event that is inclusive, mm-hmm. that doesn't just say bride or bridal. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's amazing. I'm, I'm Lindsay. I'm thinking road trip. Yeah. I mean, maybe can... <laughs> be a Come on good up. time. <laughs> It'll be a big old party. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that so much. Mm, cool. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have, I have like shivers over here. That's, <laughs> that's so exciting. I'm thrilled about it. I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, but it, you know, the opportunity arose and I'm like, I got, you have to take action. You can't just say you're inclusive. Yeah. You have to right. show you're inclusive as well. And that comes in language. Mm-hmm. Even the venue partner that we're working with that is, you know, hosting us, she herself was like, what do you mean? It's not a bridal show. Mm-hmm. And she lives in New York city and she's a good friend of mine and she's totally inclusive, but she just doesn't know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So it's these gentle warriors around the country. My hope is that everyone that comes to a not workshop or anywhere that I speak will then use that power and knowledge to influence other people and gently correct. If we keep gently correcting people on their language, ultimately they can change and be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're working with LGBT couples, do you find that those couples are trying to conform to more traditions or do you find that they're more experimental? I think working with queer couples, I find it's 50-50. Some of them are fortunate enough to express their love and their wedding in a way that's really authentic to them. Mm -hmm. And others are stuck conforming to what they think their family wants or what will make their family happy. So I do find it is half and half. And I do think a big part of my life and my work with those couples and all couples, whether you're straight or gay, 
is to be independent of your parents and have a celebration that's authentic mm-hmm. of your style, your personality, and your love. Regardless of who you are, those are the three things I push for all of my couples. Of course, it's more complicated than that. If your parents are paying, they have an opinion typically, yeah. right? Like sure. that's kind of how that goes, but it's about understanding what's most important to them and why, and what's most important to you and why, and then meeting in the middle, but not losing yourself in the process so that this wedding is now your mother's wedding. Yes. You know, like that's not the way that this should be. And sometimes we have to have hard conversations. And sometimes our couples get emotional. And sometimes with queer couples, we have to walk down a different path in discussing what the family dynamic is. You know, are your parents speaking to you? Did they kick you out of the house? Are they coming to your wedding? Have they ever mm. met your partner? Do they know you're gay? You know, we dive much deeper into their life because who you are to other people is a big part of the celebration you're putting on for them. So, you know, the wedding's as much for them as it is for you. So um, it is much more complex. And we do, I think, tend to get a little bit more emotional and we do dive deeper into family dynamics than with straight couples. Um, and I always say every family's weird and every family's crazy, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, your family's crazy. Like every family has dynamic when, especially when you're getting married and there's money and there's emotion and there's power, there's going to be mm-hmm. struggle. There's going mm-hmm. to be strife. That's life. But when you're queer, it's just a little bit more complex and it needs a little bit more attention and work and sensitivity. A lot more emotional baggage, so to speak. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's a whole other way to think about it. And for vendors who haven't worked with queer couples, you just have to be a little bit more sensitive and ask the right questions, the right leading questions in the right way, and not assume that this couple is fortunate enough to have, you know, daddy pay for it. I know we had uh, the couples, uh, the couples, the queer couples that I've married, um, I've had them run the gamut from wanting to be very traditional. I, I married two gay men who wanted to have a one-off Catholic wedding, essentially. They obviously could not get married in the Catholic church, but they wanted prayers and scriptures and all of the trappings of it. But um, but again, kind of turning it on its side, taking some liberties here and there. And then I had um, a lesbian couple who who wanted to be completely away from all the norms and they wanted it to be a giant celebration. And it was funny, they were one of the couples that I interviewed for the, the podcast and they said that they wanted to be ambassadors for lesbiandom in general. <laughs> so they wanted all their straight family members and straight friends to have such an amazing time. Um, and I mean, they had they had readings that were from the comic series that was released as a fundraiser, as a memorial of the nightclub shooting in Orlando. Wow. So that was what their readings were from. And um, I remember the one line that will always stay with me because I I almost couldn't get it out during the ceremony was, you can't stop us from dancing. Mm -hmm. And that was the theme of their wedding. Mm -hmm. And it was so, so, so powerful. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And I mean, they walked down the, they walked down the aisle to rent Seasons of Love. Yay. That's awesome. All the tears. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting that, like you said, 50-50, 50-50, some of the couples want to go one, you know, again, more more classic, more traditional, if you will. Some couples want to go completely their own creature. I have, uh, next year I'm marrying a trans couple, and at the end of it, they want to be wrapped in the trans flag, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. I love that. And for people listening 
that are always wondering like, why are queer people so loud and why do they have to put it out there and why do they have flags and why do they march? You know, for people who are a different skin color, you fight racism every day just by showing up. Yes. You can't hide your race. You can't hide that. But with sexuality, we've been hiding for so long. You right, you butch it up or you femme it up and you can you can deny, you can suppress. So we have no other outward way of showing who we are and fighting it every day other than our flags and our marches and our parades. Like we don't. There's not another way to show it. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that's actually beautiful that not every gay person is the same. Not every gay mm-hmm. person has a lisp. Not every mm-hmm. gay man is feminine and loves Broadway. Not every lesbian is butch and has a dog. You know what I mean? Like every mm-hmm. queer person is going to is going to wave their own flag of who they are. But it's important that we're vocal and that we're out there until we're until we're equal. Once yes. we're equal, we don't have to keep being so vocal and visual. But until then, we have to be like, don't forget us. We're here. We matter. We're queer, you know? Like, and people are often like, Jova, why is everyone so in your face? And that, to me, is why, right? Yeah. Women's rights, they fight for it, but you can tell if someone's a woman, mm-hmm. right? You can tell if someone is Black or a person of color fighting for their equal rights to not be in a racist society. But queer people... You can't tell, generally. You have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why we wave the flags and we preach and we say it so loud. And I think that that's an important distinction that people should be aware of. So so in your planning business to do for your weddings, about how many couples would you say are LGBT? So honestly, it's not a large percentage. I think it's maybe 10% a year are queer couples. And it's interesting because in New York City, we were legal here before it was legal federally. Mm-hmm. Right. I think there's a lot of things to that. I think just because marriage is legal, it doesn't mean queer people now want to assimilate to a straight tradition. Right. I think what we fought for was the legal equality. Mm-hmm. Um, we can throw a party. We've been throwing parties. We know how to party. That's not a problem, <laughs> right? If two, people, if two people fell in love and they wanted to have a party, they could do that. Um, So I do think that a lot of queer people wanted marriage for equality of law and equality of access and equality of lifestyle and equality of benefits, not necessarily for a wedding per se, um, because wedding is just a celebration of the legal marriage. Right. So it's interesting. and, And I do often wonder why more queer people aren't getting married. And I, I, I sort of wonder if there's a little bit of a, you know, we weren't allowed to have this. It's not ours. It's mm. still theirs in some ways, mm. or it's very heteronormative, yeah. or, you know, we don't want to spend that kind of money, or we don't have that money, or our parents aren't paying for it like right. a lot of heterosexual couples' parents yeah. would pay for it. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's a lot of different things happening that sort of affect that. And I think that the older queer couples that have been together a long time mm. don't necessarily need to celebrate so publicly because they've lived together for 20 years or Mm -hmm. 10 years. But I do have a theory that all these young millennial Gen Z queer people that are coming up and growing up in a world that is more inclusive and there's movies about queer love and TV shows with queer people who will fall in love and get engaged, that maybe they will jump on that bandwagon of wanting Mm -hmm. weddings and the numbers will increase because it will be normalized. It's not something that they were never 
allowed to have. It's something that has been in, in their reach as they grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only getting better, right? As time goes on and inclusivity becomes more important, we're seeing it more on TV and in music and movies. And I think all of that really shapes the way young people grow up and how they perceive what's available to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, uh, was it, uh, there was a, the, um, the girls in STEM movement had a, had a slogan. It was, you can't be what you don't see. And I think that's, yeah. that's why representation is so, so drastically important. You are 110% right. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, I didn't see anything. I mean, there were, you know, there was nothing that looked like me that felt like me. And all that I was told is that gay people die of AIDS and they molest children. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was what I was told from my conservative family in my Republican town. That was it. And I didn't identify with either of those things, nor did I want those things to be true. So I just hid in the closet because what else do you do? You know, like that was it for me. There was no, there was no other option. And when I was, you know, a little kid and even, you know, a young adult. Oh my gosh. So I'm like, <laughs> my heart is like, mm, right now. Sorry. I don't mean to get preachy, but it's something that I really, <laughs> no, it's something that no. is really in my heart and in my soul. Yeah. And it's like, it's personal, but it's also like, this is the world we live in. Like I just see these kids growing up and if they were given the same opportunity as anyone else and they could express themselves authentically, like imagine their possibility, imagine mm-hmm. their potential if they were not stifled for something they have no control over. Like, let's judge people based on their actions, their words, and their character, not something they can't control, like their skin color, their gender, or their sexuality, right? Like, to me, it's basic, but for some reason, other people (laughs) have a very hard time with that. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I go around the country. I mean, it's not, it's not, I don't make money most of the time when I do this. It's doing it to reach an audience and to change the world and to change viewpoints. Like it's not great for my business. I'm away from my clients, I'm away from my computer. I'm not, I'm not making more weddings. I'm changing hearts and minds and that's what matters, but it's not, it's people are like, Oh my God, it's so fun to speak around the country. I mean, I get up on the stage and I pour out my coming out story. Like I cry, I get emotional. It's not like fun and games, right? Like I pour my heart out to strangers Mm -hmm. and I hope, that they respond in a way that's kind to my own heart and that I move their heart. And that's sort of what it is each and every time. Um, and it has been amazing, but it's also really challenging. Yeah. yeah. When you spoke, <laughs> it was so powerful. Like everybody was crying, I feel like. And the room was just complete dead silence listening to you. I just feel like, yeah, your words were so powerful. So yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. I appreciate that. Yeah. it's. It's every time I pull from my life, you know, when I ask everyone to close their eyes, that's bringing me back to some of the hardest times of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like unless people can touch that, they're not motivated to change or because they don't understand, you know? So, um, yeah, it's, it's been a journey, I'll tell you. And it's been a fun yeah. one. And I've met some incredible people and I feel so lucky to even have had the, the stories that I've heard you know, this one wedding vendor who's also a mother, right? We are all wedding vendors, but we're also friends, we're husbands, we're mothers, we're fathers, we're friends, right? We're a lot of things in life. We wear many hats, but this woman came up to me and she said, she was in full tears after, and she said, I thank you so much. And I'm so sorry to my son who came out on the internet 
but he was too afraid to come out to me mm. in real life. Yeah. And she said, I feel like I didn't understand his journey until I heard you speak. And I feel like as a mother, I can be better mm-hmm. in my life with my son. And as a wedding vendor, I can be better in my business with other people. And it's those words that are my gas, right? That's my fuel that keeps driving me to do this. Um, and even the people that come up to me and say, well, I might disagree with what you're saying, I appreciate you being here. And it's even those hard conversations where sometimes people are set in their ways or they don't want to change or even open their mind or heart a little bit from their view. Um, are They're difficult to have, but I think they're important to have as well. You know, dialogue is the beginning of anything. You have to hear mm-hmm. to understand and then understand mm-hmm. to change. And that's what it's about. I mean, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, who you love is who you love, right? Like there's nothing anyone can say or do. Love is so illogical, Mm -hmm. (laughs) honestly, right? (laughs) Whether you're straight or gay, black or white, like love is illogical. And to try to reason with it or explain it or put it in a spreadsheet or label it just doesn't make sense because love doesn't make sense. Like you are, you know, you're as a one person, you want to survive and preserve and take care of yourself, right? Like that's what you're inclined to do. That's what your instinct is. And suddenly out of nowhere, this other person comes along and you can't stop thinking about them and you love the way they smell and the way they smile and their quirks and it's irrational. And so why other people (laughs) can justify that their irrational love because it's straight is more valid than your irrational love that's gay doesn't make any sense to me. And what I, whom I love doesn't matter to you. Mm-hmm. And my gay love doesn't affect your straight love. Mm-hmm. And my gay marriage doesn't affect your straight marriage, right? Like my life affects me and the people around me, as does yours. And so that's really the interesting thing to me is why people are so anti-something that's already so illogical, like and crazy right. in and of itself, right? And, and if that makes you happy, go for it. But if there's an inkling in you to explore a life that's different, Go for that too and don't feel bad about it. You know, we have one life to live and we've got to live it to the fullest in whatever way we can, as long as it's positive, uplifting, thoughtful, you know, and keeping humanity in mind, then mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This uh, this this uh, interview is kind of taking a turn for the inspiring. I know. I, I, yeah. I We're not talking about weddings at all. Totally fine. Totally fine. <laughs> it's cool. No, one of the reasons that we love interviewing other vendors is that we we just love getting their their take on things and their philosophy and and um, like I said, this is this is feeding me on a on a, on a elemental level. So I adore I it. Hear it. Me too. I want to go out in March now, but I don't think it'll be fun to march by myself. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what is he doing? We'll be like, there's Crazy Joe marching again. <laughs> hey, marching is good. Well, we're we're gonna wrap up. We've had you for about an hour, and I know that you're busy. I know Lindsay has a wedding today that she needs to get to. Yeah. Oh, so I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be very, <laughs> very respectful of everyone's time. But um, I wanted to ask you: Is there anything that you want to? I mean, apart from everything that we've already talked about, is there anything else that you want to put out there for our listeners, for our audience? Anything that you want to? tell them, recommend them, put out there in the world? I mean, I feel like my favorite slogan for life is you do you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really mean that, you know, the success that I found in my company is because I'm finally authentically me. Mm -hmm. And people are responding to that. The people that choose to hire me, the people that choose to follow me, the people that choose to come hear me speak. 
that success came from really hard work, so many hours and so much hard work, but also because I was authentic. So if you're a little bit weird or you're a little bit nerdy or you're a lot nerdy or a lot weird, like let your flag shine, like let it flow, be who you are because that's the life of happiness. That's the best life to live is an authentic life. As long as that life and those actions don't negatively affect other people, I have to clarify. Um, And you know, your actions are positive and uplifting and encouraging and adding value to the world then you should be who you are. If more people in this world were who they were and true to themselves from the beginning, I think that we would have a much better, much more beautiful, much healthier place to live. And I can't wait for that to continue to happen. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my gosh. You're like, you're like, (laughs) you have the soul of a poet. I love it. Oh, thank you. I can't write poetry to save my life, but (laughs) (laughs) the worst writer. We can, (laughs) Oh, we we can team up. You can you can I, I, it's, you know spout all of this that you want, and I will I will write it into things. I, I, I write wedding ceremonies for a living, so that is I, true. This is a good combination. That is true. The, thing, the downside of my goldfish brain is literally when I speak, I don't know what I said, so it's gone. <laughs> my brain. That's me too. So when, when people are like, "Can you repeat that?" I'm like, "Actually, I can't because I don't know what I just." <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a script. Oh I don't write anything out. I just, you know, I let it flow and hope it works. That's it from the heart. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Joe, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank yeah. you both Thank so, you so much. much. You're so yeah. welcome. Have a great wedding today. How fun. Thank you. Hey, tell people too um, how they can find you online. Yeah, best is our Instagram, which is at Jove Meyer. And then our website is jovemeyerevents.com. And Jove is love with a J uh, for spelling. And we're also, we're everywhere. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere. But Instagram is honestly where I spend the most time and where I'm the most active. Mm -hmm. And it's Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R. Yep, events is plural. Cool. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Really my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Jove has such an amazing soul and an incredible perspective. We were so lucky to talk to him, and we're looking forward to talking again with him in the future. That's our episode for this week. Make sure to subscribe to stay current on all the best tips, tricks, and ideas for wedding planning. Next week, Lindsay and I are going to go through some of the major wedding publications' projected trends for 2019 weddings and give our own personal take on how we think they're going to pan out. Some of them we're already starting to see, but some of them seem a little off the wall. But either way, we're going to tell you all about 2019 wedding trends. Smell your wedding 2019. This is Atan, owner and chief officiant of Weddings for the Ages. You can find us on The Knot, Wedding Wire, Facebook and Instagram as Weddings for the Ages. And this is Lindsay Roselle with Lucky Bird Photography. You can find me on Wedding Wire, The Knot, and you can also find me on social media using at Lucky Bird Photo. If you liked what you heard today, help us spread the love. Comment, like, rate, and review on iTunes and Google Play and share on your favorite social media platforms. We love feedback. So if you have any suggestions or if you want to ask us a question, email us at feedback at youridocrew.com. Thanks for listening, and here's to love, laughter, and happily ever after. Cheers. I want to get, I want to get, I want to get married.
music credits are as follows. Song title, I Wanna Get Married, by artist D Cylinders, from the Free Music Archive. Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international.